Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I am the best in the world at what I do. Give me the microphone and go away. The best in pro wrestling talk. I know, I know what you're thinking. There might be a little bit early. WrestleMania is not for a couple weeks, but I'm heading out to San Francisco, so I'll be out there at WrestleMania. So, studios here. We're doing our WrestleMania special, so we're going to be talking about 31. But we're also going to give you some history tonight. It's going to be a really, really fun show. So, thank you all for tuning in. We're going to talk some WrestleMania. First off, before I get into all that, I just got to thank you. To everyone out there that continues to support the show, because as I was going over some of the stats and everything involved in our show, I, I was looking at things, and over the course of the show, we, we just crossed over 63,000 listens. Over 63,000 listens. And that's, I, I don't know, like, I'm not a, a ratings expert, and I don't know what the, uh, you know, the thing is, but uh, that sounds pretty impressive to me. So 63,000 listens over that. Uh, for our tenure, so thank you all you guys that continue to support. I know a lot of our fans uh, repost, uh, you know, tweets and Facebook statuses and try to get the word out for our show, and can't tell you how much we appreciate it and we enjoy doing the show, so thank you to all our listeners and supporters. Check us out on Facebook. Our page on Facebook is facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Again, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. We're on Twitter. Uh, our handle is at the Ken Reedy Show. And you can always check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. But most important is you guys, the listeners, give us a call. Because, again, we're talking 31, but we're talking history. We're talking memories. You know, we want to hear personal uh, WrestleMania stories as well as what you think about this year's and yesteryear's and WWE lists and all that good stuff. So we want to hear from you tonight. Give us a call, 
9815 is the number to call with all the stuff we got going on. Um, and we got some details on stuff we're going to be doing WrestleMania weekend. But we're talking history. We're going to get into the history of anything to do with the history of pro wrestling and, and specifically the history of WrestleMania. There's no way I could do that justice without the master historian in the world of pro wrestling. we got to figure out. like they, You know when they do those things like on VH1 and everything and they have like, you know, you know pop culture expert and, and crap like that when they do like reality stuff, you know. As far as pro wrestling history expert, there's nobody better than my tag team partner, my co-host Dave, who is on the line. Let's go out to Dave. Dave, how are you doing this evening? I would like to thank you for that very warm welcome. It seems in recent memory that I have gotten um, I, I, I've gained quite the amount of nicknames um, on this show. I've, I've been known as the – I labeled myself the dissector last week, uh, you know, pro wrestling historian like like you mentioned, and as well as uh, the agreer by one of our callers, Mike Barrara. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pumped for this show tonight. WrestleMania is the reason why we do what we do here and why we watch wrestling, and it's, it, it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. So let's get into, before we get into, like, I mean, we got so many things to discuss, but uh, as far as WrestleMania weekend, and uh, for you guys out there, there's a show out there, they do sports, but they do wrestling as well, it's called Squirrel and Two Nuts, again, Squirrel and Two Nuts, write that down, Squirrel and Two Nuts, we'll post it on the Facebook page, uh, but they'll be going on Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to give them a call Friday night. Uh, just to give them a you know, feel of what WrestleMania weekend, what the feel is like in San Francisco. As you know, I've gone a few times. Uh, every city has a different feel. So I'm going to be calling them, talking about the card and uh, what I'm thinking about WrestleMania. So be sure to go and check out. I mean, go listen to some of their archive shows. Again, it's Squirrel and Two Nuts. I'll be calling them on the Friday of WrestleMania weekend. And as we start to roll out our one-stop shopping mega website, that is just going to be the place to go as far as pro wrestling, blogging, and, and uh, podcasts and everything. Um, we're, we're crossing over. SaveAmericanWrestling.com as we get that uh, underway. Um, as I'm going to be in San Francisco, the man on the scene in San Fran, Dave, you're going to be hooking up with our friend Firehawk and giving us a few shows on, on uh, the weekend with uh, Mr. Firehawk. Yes, uh, Saturday evening, uh, King Firehawk and I are going to go. I believe on, on TalkShoe.com, we are going to go. Uh, believe before the Hall of Fame starts, East Coast you know, time. Hall of Fame, I believe, is going to start on WWE Network around eight o'clock. I want to say. So I think we're going to go um, six o'clock. I think we're going to do six to eight. If I'm not mistaken, I have to double check with him. And of course, you know. Everything's still tentative. The, the plan is we're going to do the show, but I don't have 100% of details. Um, but you'll definitely see everything posted up on the Ken Reedy Show Facebook page. All the information is where you can listen to Ken, where you can listen to me during WrestleMania weekend, giving you all the details and all the analysis on WrestleMania itself. Um, so, yeah, Saturday night we're going to do, uh, you know, a show, two hours, myself and King Firehawk. I think he's got a few other guests as well. And then Sunday evening, um, I believe around 11:30, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and like I said, you know, this is all tentative, but it's, I'll get the details up on the Facebook page, you know, soon within the next few days or so. 
King Firehawk and I are going to do a live post-game show, live, um, after WrestleMania, as opposed to the Saturday evening show, which we're not going to be live. That will be taped, but it will come. that show will pop up right around the time that the Hall of Fame is currently airing. So if you want to hear our thoughts about the Hall of Fame and about WrestleMania and the card itself, um, you know, before you watch the Hall of Fame ceremony, you know, you can listen to us first and then watch it on the WWE Network or whatever. But those are, that's what that's what I'm going to be doing WrestleMania weekend as far as I'm concerned. Even though I can't make it out to Cali this year, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I, I got I to gotta represent the Ken Reedy show and, and pull out the coverage for uh, WrestleMania. So that's where you can find me. But we'll have more details on the Facebook page within the coming days, exact times and where you can listen to us, like I said, TalkShoe.com, you know, for myself and King Firehawk, and, of course, here on Blog Talk with Ken calling in Friday night to Squirrel and Two Nuts. Yeah, so we're going to be all over this stuff, covering WrestleMania top to bottom, pre and post, so we'll be around. And, uh, you know, as we head into WrestleMania weekend, and and we've talked a lot about build and and lack of build, and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the Hall of Fame and how, you know, Stellar headliner in Macho Man. Uh, perhaps uh, the rest of the class is, is is somewhat lackluster. No disrespect intended to the other inductees. Um, but the uh, the Hall of Fame class got a, a little bit of a boost today. Um, an all time great, uh, really an all time great, and, and you know probably a guy you know, goes a, a bit uh, underrated. Uh, Larry Zabisco added to this year's Hall of Fame class. I'm pretty excited about this because Larry Zabisco is one of my my father was never a big wrestling fan, um, and I got into it. He would watch with me occasionally, but was not a, a a a big into it. He wasn't a big fan, but I remember like you know talking about wrestling with him and him bringing up Zabisco. That's like I, I just it's one of the only memories I have of my dad bringing up a wrestler and talking about how Zabisco went after Bruno San Martino and how horrific it was and then a bloodbath and, and just everything about how heinous Zabisco is. So you're talking a guy who uh, had a great grasp and uh, uh, a, a wherewithal as far as being a, a heel, uh, a guy of, of yesteryear before wrestling really blew up, but uh, an all-time great nonetheless and definitely – Deserving of going into the Hall of Fame, Larry Zabisco, 2015 Hall of Fame inductee. You know what? It's it's. Uh, we talked about it before. Zabisco, yeah, I do believe he's you know deserving of this Hall of Fame nod. A few guys, like we said, are lackluster, but Zabisco. I mean, the the the, the rivalry with Bruno San Martino put him on the map. He was a young and up and comer protege of Bruno, and he was loved by you know legions of fans because of his association with Bruno, and he turns on his mentor, his hero, Bruno San Martino, to, to further his career. He became the most hated man in wrestling at that time. That rivalry put his career on the map, and then Zavisco went on to do you know many great things um, you know in, in the territory, uh, most notably uh, his run with the AWA. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but Larry Zavisco was, was, at one time was married to uh, one of Vern Gagne's daughters. And uh, Zabisco had a pretty decent run in the AWA as the AWA World Champion. Um, he was a great technician. Um, he kind of held it together in the AWA towards the end when the AWA was pretty much, you know, losing the battle to, to the bigger organizations like, you know, Jim Crockett, WCW, and the, and the WWF at that time. 
And then Zabisco went on to become a great technician, great mechanic in, you know, in WCW, a very reliable um, hand. And, of course, his broadcasting career later in WCW was, was a very memorable one. Uh, you know, I can't remember at, at that time a, a, a former wrestler turned broadcaster who would receive arguably one of the largest pops on Monday Nitro before the show even started. You know, when they used to do Nitro, Zabisco used to come out and they used to introduce him and they'd get up out of his chair. Everyone would chant, Larry, Larry. He would do the nod and then the crowd would pop for it. Zabisco didn't even wrestle and he'd get a bigger pop than half the guys on the roster. So, very deserving Hall of Fame nod. Said a lot for his career. Um, great for the business. Congratulations to Larry Zabisco. Yeah, and it's cool, man. I mean, you know, seeing a guy like that get inducted, I love when you see the all-time greats, you know, guys who are, who are honestly, like, you know, become part of WrestleMania weekend, um, but had their heyday pre-WrestleMania. And um, very cool to see uh, him get inducted. And in the Hall of Fame, you know, it, it is one of those things that it's just such a – it's always a great night. Regardless of the class, it's it's a great night to be at. It's a great night to be a wrestling fan. And, and what the WWE has done – uh, over the years, I mean, say what you will, and, and you know, we've been critical at times, and, and we're cool at times, you know, you talk about the WWE, and then, you know, you, you try to evaluate things down the middle, but, you know, you want to be critical of the WWE, that's fine, you want to be critical of creative, that's fine, uh, what they've done with WrestleMania is, is just an absolute phenomenon, that, uh, you know, it's, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, uh, to be part of that community, and, you know, there there are times where, like, you know, I mean, I get it. Sometimes, you, you know, money's an issue. You, you, you can't make it, you know. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, life happens. But when I hear people say, oh, I'm not going to waste my money on that. Oh, I don't like the card. Oh, I don't like the main event. Oh, what are they doing? Man, it's like, it's so secondary. They have just done such a great job at, at making it just a happening, a place to be. Um you know, for a wrestling fan, and uh, you know, it's it's amazing how you know I look back and I've been I have been lucky enough and admittedly lucky enough to go to uh, a few WrestleManias, and uh, you know, it's just it's all about that weekend, and it's all about just just hanging out, and and it's funny, Dave. I mean, so many memories, uh, but I mean, this show, the, currently the format was was kind of born out of WrestleMania weekend. I mean, it's amazing when you look back on things and in the moments and, you know, we go to Arizona for WrestleMania 26 and the bellhop tells us, you know, Arizona, they have a zero, zero tolerance as far as driving under the influence. So if there's even a hint of alcohol on your breath, you are spending the night in jail. So if you're going to have even a beer, get a cab. And there are a couple guys down the hall that would be looking to share a cab. I can put you guys in touch with it with them. Of course, that's your brothers, Dave, um, Justin and Daryl. And that's how I wound up meeting them. That's how I wound up meeting you. Decide to to reform because the show is a pre-recorded thing. Decide to go live. You come on as as the co-host, and and hence. The rest is history, as they say. And, you know, it's just, it's that's the thing, man. You know, you, you, you go to WrestleMania, you make friends. There are guys that you just, you, you wind up staying in touch with. With I mean, social media is just incredible. Uh, you know, we sat next to people coincidentally 
Um, you know, one wrestler, I think it was, uh, let me think, I think it was 27 uh, that we, we had met them at 25 and didn't plan. Coincidentally, we're sitting next to them at uh, 27. Um, you know, it's just, uh, actually, no, now I think it was 26. It was, it was in Arizona. It was when Michaels uh, was retired. Uh, but being there for Michael's retirement, uh, you know, I'll tell you, Dave, the one thing that's crazy that just doesn't, you know, telling the story doesn't do it justice. But um, and, and that's where, like, I, I think people who aren't, haven't been there don't get that it's the memories, um, you know, going to Atlanta uh, for WrestleMania 28, correct? Seven. 27. 27. 28 was my 27. 27. And that was probably the, out of the WrestleManias I've gone to, probably the one I enjoyed the least and probably the best time I've, I've had over the course of a weekend. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, um, mistakes were made. Uh, maybe we should have eaten a little more. But, you know, we find out the bar that, uh, the, the hotel bar that the WWE uh, stars are, are hanging out in, and we just, we decide, all right, we're going to go hang out there. That was the weekend that Ric Flair uh, decides to go against TNA Wishes and goes to see Michaels get inducted into the Hall of Fame. We wind up having a brief conversation with Ric Flair, Ric Flair, uh, in, in the bar uh, that night. And, uh, you know, unfortunately the bar doesn't serve food. And our attitude became, uh, we're going to stay in the bar until Rick leaves. So there was no getting us out of there. And then, of course, they weren't letting people get back in because the bar was getting crowded. So we were like, let's just stay here. So, uh, uh, you know, some drinking was going on and uh, not a lot of eating, but a blast nonetheless. I mean, just sitting in a bar, it's like, hey, guess what? I'm having a conversation with Ricky Steamboat. Is this really happening? Am I really sitting here? Am I really sitting at the bar singing JBL's theme with, with D.H. Smith? I mean, it's just... And that's the thing, man, you know, and I go on and on, Dave, but that's what's special about WrestleMania and the history of WrestleMania. It just, it's what it does, whether you're watching it on TV or you're there live or experiencing the weekend, it's just, it, it becomes, if you're a wrestling fan, it's just an integral part of your life. Well, absolutely. The, the, the weekend itself is great. The show's an afterthought. I mean, you go there for the show, but really, you go there for the experience in the entire weekend. You know, you talk about that weekend in Atlanta in particular, and holy cow, there were a lot of bad choices, man. I'll never forget, I, I don't know if it was, I forget who it was. I, it might have been you or it might have been my brother. It was after the Hall of Fame, and of course, you know, with, 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 with smartphones, you know, batteries have a tendency to, to, to run very low very quickly, so... You know, a lot of times throughout that weekend, if we weren't at the bar, we were in our room charging our phones. Yes. <laughs> we, had no, we had no juice on the battery. So I made an attempt to try and charge my phone after the Hall of Fame. Um, it was the night that Shawn Michaels got inducted. And I was pretty pumped because it was my first Hall of Fame, and it was one of my top three favorite wrestles of all time getting inducted. It was a pretty cool moment. And the minute I put my phone in the charger and I sit down, I'm like, all right, oh, I can sit down for a minute and relax. I get a text from somebody that says, you need to come downstairs to the bar right now because Ric Flair's here. And I said, all right, well, I don't need to charge my phone. So I took my phone with me. I maybe had like 10% battery left all night. But, you know, it's just one of those experiences that, like you said, you can't do it justice by telling the story. And I'll, I'll, 
to me, when I think back of WrestleMania and the, and, and the, the weekends that I've experienced with you and with my brothers and with other people, um, each year there's always something memorable that happens. The following year, you know, the following year was in Miami, and it was a great WrestleMania show to begin with. The whole weekend was, like, perfect. You're, you're, our producer, your girlfriend, Michelle, calls it the trip of trips. The weather was spectacular. The buildup towards the main event with The Rock and, team, and, and John Cena was great. Just uh, the overall experience of the entire weekend was awesome. But we kind of kicked the door open as far as our show goes and, you know, really let it be known that, you know, we're entering the podcast world and we are the best in pro wrestling talk. That bus ride from our hotel to the stadium, I mean, was 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 amazing. You know, handing out the flyers. The, the, the telling sign was is that these people were going to listen and uh, you know, listen to our show. And I didn't really care at the moment, but the following week when we went on the air and we had a guy call from London, England at 2 o'clock in the morning their time, I couldn't believe it. I, and he said, I was on the bus with you guys, and you guys were great. Your show's great. And, I mean, that was just humbling and amazing. You know, the following year, New York, the one thing that we mem- that's most memorable for me is the fact of how damn cold it was. <laughs> that, was the coldest re- that was the coldest wrestling show I've ever been to. I mean, it was so cold that day. It was 55 degrees, but windy. And then last year, of course, New Orleans. I mean, it was a milestone WrestleMania in the Big Easy. And, you know, I was there. I basically was there to see Hulk Hogan because I didn't know if I'd ever see him in live and in person again. And it was just an awesome experience. Every year there's a different memorable moment and a theme and something that took place. And that's what I think of when I think of WrestleMania weekends, you know, of years past. You know, my first one, 23 in Detroit. Uh, you know, I had the privilege of meeting a lot of the wrestlers, not at any of the, the autograph sessions, but through my good buddy Shane Helms, uh, who, by the way, also sat in the studio with us in Miami in the hotel room and did a live interview with us during that WrestleMania weekend. It was just, I, I could go on and on, but like you said, you can't do it justice, but it's the memories that, that are what really going to last forever when you think of WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, man. Like it, uh, you know, it's the memories that it is like, you know, you have the memories of being there and you have the memories of, of watching and going back and, you know, I mean, it's funny because I go back and I remember the first WrestleMania very clearly. And, you know, I didn't watch it live. I saw it later. It was on closed circuit TV. I remember being in Felix Festa Junior High School and talking to a friend of mine who did watch it and he loved it. And I was like, oh, I can't wait. I got I got to see it. And just like, and not really thinking at, at, at WrestleMania 1. I mean, we're going to 31. At WrestleMania 1, really thinking... You know that this is there's going to be a WrestleMania two. I mean, to to me at that moment at that time, I think a lot of people thought that it was just it was the culmination of a lot of what was going on. It was the, the rock and wrestling thing, the uh, you know Piper and Hogan. It was just uh, you know it was just like all right, here's WrestleMania. You know it's it's you know it's just all right, oh cool, so it's an event. Um, you know, and who knew that it, it would thirty plus years later we're still going. Um, it's just phenomenal, and so you look back at the the moments whether you were uh, sitting in your living room and, and that, that living room pop uh, when when Hogan uh, you know picked up Andre the Giant, or you happen to be there alive, um, you know during uh, Taker and HBK, you know whatever the case is, you know it's just WrestleMania. If you're a wrestling fan, 
um, you just have a slew of incredible memories of uh, just great performances, just entertaining moments. And, you know, the WWE on their website came out with the 30 greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. And uh, an interesting list. Um, you know, again, when it comes to lists, um, you know, it's it's... It's one of those things. You can always debate a list. I don't think this list, honestly, was that bad. There, there's some matches I might move around, and, and we'll discuss. Um, but I, I thought the the list was pretty good. In, in all honesty, Dave, like, it, it, you know, you're splitting hairs, and maybe you go 1 and 1A one at this moment. I mean, I've always been a, a, a Macho Man Steamboat guy. That came in at number two. HBK, Taker, uh, WrestleMania 25 came in as number one. I can't argue with that. I, you know, I'm not going to get bent out of shape. If I made the list, I'm putting Steamboat Macho Man there. But it's it's not egregious. Um, and the one thing I did notice out of the top ten, again, being a lucky wrestling fan, I've seen four out of the top ten matches on this list live. So um, a lot of great memories on this list, and we'll discuss placement. But I thought overall the WWE did a decent job on the list. Oh, they absolutely did. I mean, um, I, I, you know, you lean more towards Savage Steamboat. I lean more towards uh, Taker and Michaels. And, you know, I wanted to bring a little side note as far as Savage and Steamboat goes. You were talked earlier about how your father was not a big wrestling fan, but when he did talk wrestling with you, Larry Zabisco's name was mentioned. Well, my father was never a big wrestling fan, but the first time I ever saw wrestling, well, I would say it would be the first time, but the first time I saw WrestleMania live, I went in the closed-circuit theater. I think it was actually a porno theater, if I'm not mistaken. And my father nice. took me to... It, it was a closed <laughs> porno theater. I even think it was still in business, but it used to be a porno theater at one time. Uh, anyhow, because that would be pretty wrong if my father took me at four years old to a porno theater to watch WrestleMania. But I saw WrestleMania three, Hogan and Andre. But whenever my father and I have talked wrestling in the past, he's always brought up what about that great Savage Steamboat match where there was like the, the, the so many miscount, you know, the, the near falls and the kickouts that kicked out like a hundred times out of each other's moves. It was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. You know, it's just it's it's funny how um, you know the, the the similarity with your story with Zabisco and my story with my father. I just wanted to bring that up. But um, I would, you know, I think yeah, it can't be argued. You know, you, I mean, I'm sorry, you could argue either or, Savage and Steamboat or Michaels and Taker, but you also got to remember, too, they were done in completely different eras. Wrestling was, you know, re- I mean, Savage and Steamboat had a match that, you know, it stood the test of time, and it also was a blueprint for some of the great matches that we've seen years later. And I think it kind of ushered in a little bit of Michaels and Taker, but at the same time, Michaels and Taker from WrestleMania 25 was just, I mean, uh, it, it's two different eras, so wrestling has evolved and changed, and 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 things are different. Or we're different from WrestleMania 25 to WrestleMania 3. You know, 22 years later. So you could argue that either one could be the top match, um, you know, on that list. But they're both great in their own right. Um, and yeah, they didn't do wrong with the list, um, in, in my opinion. But the, the, pretty much every match on that list was spot on. Um, there was a few notable matches that I thought that were very WrestleMania-worthy, WrestleMania, you know, that deserved to be on that list, but, you know, it's 30 matches. One of them in particular, 
And it wasn't necessarily the best match in the world, but it was the match that started it all. The WrestleMania 1 main event. Hogan and Mr. T versus Piper and Orndorff. How did that not make it on that list? Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Because the, the bottom line, it, again, 100%, not the greatest match in the world. Not like going to use that match to... Uh, you know, teach anybody, you know, wrestling skills and what have you. But at the same time, if that match really shit the bed, you know, who knows if we're talking about WrestleMania 30 years later. A hundred percent, you know, for his, you know, there are certain matches on, on a list that, like, you look at as far as the match itself. But there's also, you know, historical significance has got to come into play, at least to a certain extent. And to me, main event in one has got to be on the list somewhere. Yeah, that, and then another match that a lot of people might disagree with and scratch their head, but another, you know, it's it's a historical reference. WrestleMania 19, the Hulk Hogan-Vince McMahon street fight. I mean, the the two names that made WWE what it is today, squaring off in a street fight at WrestleMania, the, the, the event that they both helped put on the map, you know, it was a fun match, yes. Both of them at their age, they obviously couldn't do some of the stuff that, you know, at least Hogan couldn't do some of the stuff he did years prior, but they made for an entertaining hell of a match. I mean, you and I talked about it, Ken, but you want to talk about, like, highlight real stuff? That image of Vince, bloody Vince McMahon, peering his head over the top of the ring apron as he's, like, trying to, you know, set his sights on Hogan with that lead pipe. I mean, that was just, that, that was just perfect imagery at its finest when it comes to, you know, professional wrestling and, 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 and WWE. I think that that match, too, probably should have made the list, just for historical purposes alone, that these two guys, you know, had a match at the event that they both really created. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you right there, too. And it's interesting with, with that sort of stuff, because the one thing that's always gotten me, and we've discussed this before on the show, but I, I've always hated the, the, the moniker of you know, great in-ring, not great in-ring, you know, Hogan, yeah, all-time great, but not great in-ring, you know. If you want to tell me someone's a more athletic wrestler, a, a quicker wrestler, a, a high flyer, you want to use those adjectives to describe certain wrestlers, fine. But to me, like, wrestling is all about the story. It's all about telling the story. And if, if however long a match is, whether it's 10, 15, 20 an Iron Man match, uh, you know, as far as in-ring, that quote, in-ring, you need two guys that are going to tell me a story and keep me engaged for the duration of that match. And to be honest with you, I don't know if there's anybody much better than Hogan as far as telling a story in the ring. And you're, I mean, a thousand percent right. Created WrestleMania, you know, everyone knows the rivalry in real life, as well as storyline, it blurred the lines a little bit between the two of them. They, they wrestle at the event, like you said, that they both created. That was a story that I was into. And, you know, spot on between Vince McMahon's heel work, the bloody mess, and the camera work all coming together for an iconic moment in WrestleMania history. To me, like, I, I hate it when, when people get caught up with that idea of, like, you know, in ring. Tell me a story. And to me, that's one of those matches that tells a story. Vince and Hogan were masterful at telling a story that night. 
And that's why actually one of the things on the list that I would have put probably in the top 10 would have been Hogan Rock. Made the list, came in at number 13, but again, to me, two masterful storytellers. You know, no one's going to confuse Hogan with, with HBK or Macho Man or Steamboat in the ring. I get that. But they told the story. I thought the story that Hogan and Rock told at WrestleMania 18 was masterful and deserved to be a little bit higher up on the list. You know, again, not egregious coming in at 13. I think that's a top 10 uh, match. But, you know, again, Dave, your job as a wrestler when you're in that ring is to facilitate and continue to tell the story you've been telling outside the ring. And, uh, yeah, that match belongs on there. And, like I said, I think Hogan Rock should have been higher. I, I agree with you there. I, I I will, you know, go on record as saying that Hogan Rock, at least for me, when I watched that match live, you know, that was, you know, I was a big Hogan fan now, but seeing that match between those two at that time, nobody ever thought you were going to see that match. Kind of like what nobody, nobody ever really thought that you were going to see Sting in WWE, and now you're going to see him up against one of, you know, WWE's cornerstones in Triple H at this upcoming WrestleMania. That just the history and the build-up to it alone um, made for a great WrestleMania match. And then, of course, the organic feel to it with the audience kind of declaring, no, this isn't the Hulk Hogan we want. We want the Hulk Hogan of old. And they just, like, supported him, who throughout that build-up, Hogan was the hated bad guy. I mean, Hogan had hit the rock in the head with a hammer and (laughs) ran him over with a semi-truck into an ambulance. And the rock came back two days later with a Band-Aid on his rib. And he was fine, ready to go, and for whatever reason, they were still cheering him. And it just so happens that that you know that build up that that our first initial face to face confrontation between the two of them took place in Chicago at the Allstate Arena, which is a very unpredictable um, crowd. They are very boisterous and almost even more boisterous than some of the crowds in, in New York and New Jersey area. Um, but yeah, that, that that definitely deserves to be in the top ten. Um, as far as I'm concerned. And the one thing about that match that, you know, I think a lot of times goes unnoticed, like you're saying, the crowd kind of hijacked it a little bit, was how The Rock handled it. And, again, like, two guys in that ring that, you know, no one's going to confuse them with Ricky Steamboat. I get that. But, you know, Rock gave you a little bit, like, he didn't go flat out heel, but he gave you a little bit more of an edge as the match progressed. Um so, I mean, he gave you things for the crowd to kind of sink their teeth into to boo. But he, he kept it like he skated the line. And, you know, in the end, when The Rock won, he got a pop. I mean, the crowd popped when The Rock won. It wasn't a flat-out boo. It, it was, they gave you a, a great match. It was about a 20-minute match. Uh, you know, Hogan at that point, you know, well past his prime. You know, he delivered. You know, arguably, I mean, I think you could make the case as much as Andre is like an iconic match, as far as the physicality and the storytelling and everything involved, arguably Hogan's best WrestleMania match. I thought the storytelling was was unbelievable. Those two guys did that night, um, you know, and in working the crowd and just everything. You were not bored at all for one instant in that match. Uh, again, told the story like. I mean, expert storytelling right there. And to be honest, like, if I ran a wrestling school and was trying to, to teach psychology, I, I would show this match over and over again and, and dissect the match just because they're not doing 
you know, 17 flips off the top rope. They're not giving you those spectacular spots that, I'm not going to call them cheap pops, but yeah, you do something spectacular off the top rope, you're going to get a pop. It just And I get it. All the respect in the world to athletes that can do that. But these guys got whipped that crowd into a frenzy without having to do that. It is just, it, it is psychology at its finest. And to me, it, it deserves to be a little bit higher up on the on the on the list, but you know, thirteen. It's I'm talking a, a few spots. I put it in the top ten. If I really started, you know, making the list, I, it may wind up creeping into my top five. Because um, I again, I just love the storytelling, and that's that's what wrestling is all about. I'm curious, Dave, your thoughts on um, Piper and Bret Hart. One of my favorite matches. Um, what I, and I think it's a, a, a very underrated match. It's a match that doesn't get mentioned a lot. It comes in the list at number 20, 29 from WrestleMania 8. And, you know, again, I'd have to really sit down and look at all these matches and see where I'd bump it. But I just think that was a, a really great match. You, you had the veteran, uh, up and co- you know, versus the up-and-comer. Um Perhaps uh, Piper's great greatest match, like the match itself. Um, you know, I, they just gave you a, a clinic as far as uh, you know athleticism. Uh, you saw the the writing on the wall as far as Bret Hart and how talented Bret was. Uh, you know, this is before he's a main eventer. Um, that would have been moved up a little bit on my list. Um. As far as the match goes, I think it was an excellent match. Um, as a kid, I remember ordering that WrestleMania with uh, a, a close friend of mine. He was a big Hulk Hogan fan. And, you know, my main objective for that WrestleMania was to see Hulk Hogan, you know, prevail and defeat Sid, you know, Sid Justice, and hope that he doesn't retire because it was alluded that he could possibly retire after that match. Um, in the build-up towards it. And the other one that I wanted to see, my other hero, Macho Man Randy Savage, piece of tar out of Rick Flair and, and you, know, uh, you know, restore the dignity, you know, in Elizabeth and take the title. Um, and Piper and Brett surprised me as a kid. I was surprised. I, it, I mean, as a kid, I, I didn't have any high expectations or even low expectations for the match, but this was something different because Piper was always Piper kind of you know drew that fine line of being a good guy and a bad guy. Piper was always the same person, the same character, but it's just a question of whether the people cheered him or booed him or not. And they put him in there with Brett who was relatively new in the single scene at least for about a year or so and it was a it, it was a definitely I knew I was watching something different because Piper hadn't wrestled someone of the caliber of Brett, at least as far as I know from watching it. Piper always wrestled somebody similar to him, a brawler, a, 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 you know, a puncher, whatever. So it was different, but it was good. And I was pleasantly surprised. That was one of the matches, in my opinion, that um, I, I walked away from that WrestleMania like, that was a damn good match. That's I want, I, I want to see again on tape. Yeah, I mean, it it was a tremendous matchup. And and it's interesting because a guy like Brett, who was on the list a a bunch of times, and who, uh, you know, it's funny with Brett because he, you know, he was a guy that, that, uh, you know, he was on the list four times. um, And he had some real classic matchups. And a guy who who had the unenviable task of taking over WWE for Hulk Hogan. 
I mean, you know, next up was, you know, on deck, you know, was, was you know, it's almost like right now if you're a Yankee fan, whoever, like, has to take over shortstop for Derek Jeter, you know, it's it's a, it's not a great place to be. And uh, Brett performed admirably. And a guy who, uh, you know, as a fan, I, I got to admit, I wasn't sure if he was a main eventer. I really looked at him as a tag team guy. Um, he, he built himself up, the, you know, from the ground up, tag team, moved into the single scene, eventually a main eventer. Um, you know, he was one of those guys that he could, you know, he could wrestle just about anybody and make them look good. He could wrestle bigger, bigger guys. He could wrestle smaller, athletic guys. Um, you know, and, and when you look at Brett's career, um, you know, the guy was almost incapable of having a bad match. Um, to me, he ushered in that idea of a smaller guy. And like we're saying smaller, quote unquote. I mean, Brett's not a small guy. Um, but in terms of wrestling and the monsters that uh, were in the WWE, I think he kind of ushered in that idea that uh, there may be smaller guys can make it to the top of the heap. I think he paved the way uh, for a guy like HBK, who, you know, is on the list eight times, um, you know, and is, is, you know, gotten the moniker of Mr. WrestleMania. Um, but to me, Brett paved the way for a guy like HBK, to me, there's no Stone Cold Steve Austin without what Brett did for him. So, I mean, Brett had to bridge the gap out of Hulkamania. Uh, he had a big hand in making guys like HBK and Stone Cold. And and it's interesting that, you know, Brett has just kind of become, as he's gotten older, and I know there's been a ton of tragedy, so, but he's kind of been a bit ornery. Um, he says a lot of things that, uh, you know, make for sound bites and travel fast because negativity travels fast. And uh, it's a shame because the guy that, that was, you know, I, I'd never call Brett gold on the mic. Um, he, he would cut an okay promo. He wasn't terrible. Uh, but a guy that was phenomenal in the ring that, like I said, made stars like HBK and, and Stone Cold uh, took over for Hulkamania. And I, I feel like Brett has become almost a, a borderline footnote in the history of wrestling. But, uh, Definitely an all-time great, and it's a shame. I wish he would just, uh, you know, as he's gotten older, be more uh, amicable as far as uh, some of the sound bites that come out of Brett's mouth. Well, yeah, he's as of late in the past decade or so, if not even longer. I'd probably say since the Montreal Screwjob, which was probably the the one of the 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 most controversial um, things to happen in the business, and you know, he was in the center of it. Um, you know. He's had some interesting things to say. Uh, you know, he made reference to Triple H being a four out of ten as far as like his matches go, the quality of his matches. Um, and Triple H has had some classic matches uh, with guys that um, you know that, that are Hall of Fame bound. And it takes two to tango. That's how I would, that's how I would say it. Um, and then more recently, just in fact today, he made a, a reference to um, Hulk Hogan. Um, he's never been a big fan of Hogan. Um, he's had a love hate relationship with Hogan at times. Which stems to the the uh, alleged politics that he claims Hogan um, played with him during that whole WrestleMania Nine title controversy. But he he questioned in the interview that I read. He, he questioned Hogan um, why Hogan is inducting Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame this year, um, considering that Brett states in the interview he was closer to Randy Savage than Hogan was, and that Brett said that in the same conversation he had with Savage, you know, 
when some of the last conversations I should say he had in Savage, that Savage had nothing nice to say about Hogan in them. Um, I just thought, what was the point in even kind of bringing that kind of stuff up? You know, like they asked him about what he thought about Savage going in, and he he, he trashed Hogan. You know, it, 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 he he made a point to trash Hogan again. You know, which I just thought was kind of messed up and stupid. Um, and in, in terms of what you mentioned earlier about Brett and his role in WWE after Hogan left, I mean, Brett was put in a tough spot. Let's face it. He did the best that he could, and he did a good job. And for the most part, wrestling fans will remember Bret Hart for doing some good stuff in the business, but during a time when wrestling wasn't popular. I mean, you know, wrestling and WWE in particular were trying to get away from the stigma of it being all about big, muscular, larger-than-life characters. That's part of the reason why Bret was the figurehead of the WWF and the new generation slogan that they had been promoting for a few years because he was not the size of the Ultimate Warrior or Hulk Hogan. And they were also trying to go in a different direction. They were trying to get away from the fact that they had big guys as, as a part of their their, uh, their their product and their content. And they just recently got off on the, uh, you know, Vince McMahon did, uh, was acquitted during the steroid trial. So he was trying to distance himself from that kind of stuff. And I think that played into why Brett was put in the position he was in. Also, his talent, too. He was very talented, very reliable, very dependable in the ring, and he was, and he was somewhat popular. He was the staple of the mid-card for a few years. And I, I do remember um, when they announced that he beat Flair for the title because it wasn't on TV. It was like a home video exclusive. I was surprised, but I was like, you know what? All right, this is cool. Shakes it up a bit. Something a little different, you know? And I look, and I'm forward to seeing Bret in matches with guys like Randy Savage, guys like Shawn Mike. And you know Ted DiBiase, and the list goes on and on. Um, but yeah, Brett was in a in a tough spot after Hogan left because wrestling. You know, I think Hogan, in, at least as far as I'm concerned, set the bar so high that anybody that you know had to go after him in terms of leading the company, um, most people would deem it as a failure. I think a lot of people deem Warriors' run as a failure. I think a lot of people deem Savage's run as a failure. Um, I think Savage's run was fairly good as champion. Um, considering Hogan was not there, I think Warriors was okay, but I think Hogan set the bar so high that no matter how hard anybody worked, um, and, you know, they worked really hard, but no matter how hard they worked, they weren't going to measure up to the business that Hogan did for WWE and for the wrestling business itself. So I think it's a little unfair in some cases for guys post the the Hulk Hogan era, you know, and, and what critics seem to think of their runs as the top guy in the business. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. But, like, you know, it's funny. Every time I do this show, you know, and I have my studio and, uh, you know, I have a lot of pictures, a lot of autographs, like, hanging up in here. And it's like every every time I'm doing this show, I'm looking at, you know, one thing I'm looking at is Icon versus Igon. I got a WrestleMania 18 poster hanging in here. And right, you know, where I'm sitting, you know, at the microphone, as I look up, there is... Brett and Stone Cold. Uh, Brett's got Stone Cold in the Sharpshooter from WrestleMania 13, and uh, you know I just I I was a big Brett fan, and, and yeah, it was a tough spot for him to be in. Um, I just think if he was more amicable now, uh, you know maybe he'd be a little bit more revered. I, I mean, this is not the time, you know what I mean? And that, that's something like someone in Brett's family or some needs say it's not the time. Randy's dead, you know. Randy's gone. Uh, uh, tragically, he's he's not with us anymore. And, you know, 
tremendous competitor. You know, again, we we got HBK, who's got the the, the WrestleMania, Mr. WrestleMania moniker. Uh, you know, some say that before HBK, Macho Man was Mr. WrestleMania. Um, you know, and Hogan has come out, and then members of Savage's family have have confirmed. Uh, the, the the reconciliation story between Hogan and Savage. Um, you look, you you run down the road. I, I don't doubt that there's, you know, there's negativity that that surround everything. You know, I, I get it, but I mean, at this moment when Savage is going into the Hall of Fame, um, that's not the time when, when someone puts a mic in front of you. It's not the time to to take that opportunity to rag on someone else, you know, if you need to, and you know, a few months after WrestleMania, you know, jump on and then, you know, say some, some more like bad stories about Hogan. Fine. You know, that's what would get you off fine. Um, but for me as a big Brett fan, it just, it's really disconcerting. And I hate hearing this stuff because I want to hear Brett talk about, you know, how great Savage is and that's it. Talk about how much you admired Savage, how great he was. If you were close to Savage, give us some stories about you and Savage. But, you know, to, to take that as an opportunity, not only to rag as, as, you know, on Hogan, but then almost say, but I should be the one to induct him. I, you know, it's just, I have a hard time. I mean, I want, I want to continue to, to love Brett and, and be a Brett supporter. Um but, you know, with all respect to, to those who are deceased and, and, and Randy's gone, um, maybe this is not the time to use this as an opportunity to rip on Hogan. Maybe this is just a time to talk about how great Savage was. And Savage, uh, a tremendous competitor, headlining this year's uh, WrestleMania. And it's just uh, WrestleMania, this year's Hall of Fame class. And, um, you know, it's just a shame that that's what, what Brett decides to talk about. Um you know, and I find, like, for me as a fan of Brett, I, I'm just a, you know, not that he cares, but I'm, like, disappointed in him. You know, I, I don't want to hear this sort of stuff anymore. Like, let's just let it go. And and I like to believe, whether it's true or not, I want to believe that before Randy left us, that Hogan and him had some sort of reconciliation. I hope that, you know, it, you, you hear the stories that they were best friends at a time, uh, whether it's Hogan, Randy's fault, or, or you know somewhere in the middle, like you said, uh, Dave, it's you know when there's a conflict, there's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. They probably were both at fault uh, for their for their uh, you know falling out. I hope they reconciled at the end. I really do. I hope uh, you know Macho Man's conscience was as clear as possible when he unfortunately left us, and it just it really just leaves a bad taste in my mouth when someone, especially a guy like Brett, who to me is an absolute legend, one of the best I've ever seen in the ring, uh, takes you know this opportunity where an all-time great who has been left out of the Hall of Fame forever, and I've said it a thousand times on this show that the, the WWE Hall of Fame could not be taken seriously as long as Bruno, Backlund, and Macho Man weren't in it. And we finally get the trifecta this year. And, and to me, it's like to finally put Macho Man in. This is the time to celebrate Macho Man's life and his career. And it just it, be, it comes off just very unfortunate that that's what Brett decided to do when, when asked about the induction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was not surprising, though. I mean, 
You want to tell that story about that colleague of ours that interviewed Bret Hart during WrestleMania weekend and how he how how Bret behaved towards him, or should I? I got you know, guy, tell the story. Uh, I mean, there was a colleague of ours in the business, in the podcast world, the, the broadcasting world, I should say, um, who was at WrestleCon in New Jersey. Uh, it was WrestleMania 29 weekend, and. Uh, they were going around doing interviews at some tables, and one of the tables they went to was Bret Hart's, and uh, they wanted to do an interview with him, and Bret refused. And the individual had said, oh, come on, just give me a couple minutes, you know, nothing too long. I don't want to, you know, I'm just trying to get some, you know, some, some sound bites for the show and, uh, you know, just your thoughts on this. And I think something, I mean, you know better than I do, Ken, but something to the effect of, well, what are you going to do for me? came out of Bret Hart's mouth, and then at that point, this individual just said, you know what, forget it, never mind, it's about you, then, <laughs> you know, so be it, and they, I guess they get up and walk, got up and walked away, and that's just kind of been the attitude that Bret Hart has had. Um, I've noticed, too, in a lot of Bret Hart interviews, um, whenever it's somebody that has passed, um, that person apparently has always thought fondly of him. Um, that Bret Hart DVD he had, the the one that came out a couple years ago, the, the, the dungeon matches, which is like the ones that he handpicked himself, um, which is a great DVD, by the way. Uh, he talks about how Andre handpicked to wrestle him um, in, in one night in, in Italy on a, on a, on a uh, overseas tour. Um, he talked about how, I remember hearing him in an interview once say that he talked about how Randy Savage wanted, um, stuck up for him, uh, the night of WrestleMania 10, uh, when Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon had their ladder match, and they went over the time by like three or four minutes, and Savage like chewed Michaels and, and Ramon a new asshole because it was going to interfere into the main event with Brett and Yoko. Um, I mean, I've heard all kinds of stories, but it just seems like it's very convenient that Brett is always he always tries to bump up bump himself up that he was admired by other people and, 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 and he's got a big ego I, don't get me wrong his talent legend, legendary and stuff he's done in the ring in this business legendary um, there's you know there's some great Bret Hart matches I love watching we talked about the one Piper earlier but I just think he's I don't know he, he thinks he's bigger than he really is and uh, you know I don't know I just, it just kind of left a sour taste in my mouth when, when I saw that interview this morning I was like here we go again like he's got a bitch about something else now and it's a shame because that that's what we think of now. You know, that's you know, we think uh, you know, he's become bitter old wrestling vet. You know, and look, and I get it. Unspeakable tragedy has has befallen Brett and his his family, you know. I get that. Um but you know, to me I, he'd be revered if he you know, even you know, if you don't if you can't be not, you know, the old adage, you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. You know, if Brett just kept his mouth shut. Um, I, I think people would admire him a little bit more. It's just every time it's you know between the Triple H and the you know now with the Hogan over and over again, it's like just stop and and you know it, it's just really a shame because I'm a big Brett fan. You know when I you know when I got to meet him at a PWS event, you know, and that was just it, man. Like he had a few pictures on his table, um, and I just immediately grabbed the picture from WrestleMania 13, which is uh, one of my favorite matches. And it's funny, man. You know, the thing now with, like, the PG rating and, and the you know, the absence of blood, like, th- those matches now are becoming even more iconic. Like we talked about with uh, 
you know, that moment with Vince and Hogan and, and the, the crimson mask as, uh, you know, uh, Vince is peering over the, the ring apron. Um, you know, those iconic moments are, you know, becoming less and less, just at that, that one definitive camera shot. And, you know, that moment in WrestleMania 13, like when, when you think in your head where someone says, you know, a WrestleMania image, you know, that, that's going to be like a top five image for me of, you know, Stone Cold trying to do a push-up while in the sharpshooter and pushing, and then the, the blood just trickling out, like going like down his face, into his mouth, and it's just, it's an iconic moment. And, you know, all the pictures he had on the table, I was like, that's, how does anyone pick? I couldn't believe there were still pictures, like, of that still there. Because, like, how do you pick any other picture but that picture to get signed. The other ones were just Brett like posing. I'm like, no, that is the picture you need to get signed. And, you know, I talked a little bit to Brett and it just, you know, when I went to the PWS event, like he was the guy, like Brett was the guy I was there to meet. And, you know, it's just a shame uh, that, that he's become like this, this bitter uh, wrestling guy. But I mean, you know, and I like think of WrestleMania matches that, that main event at 13 with the, the double switch, when you talk about again, in ring storytelling, and that's where Brett, like, you know, can tell a story, he can do athleticism, he can do everything. Um, you know, that's one of my favorite matches. I mean, just a, a double switch. I mean, you know, I don't know if we'll ever, you know, see anything like that done as effectively as, as that moment in time, but just a, a phenomenal matchup there. Well, you know, coincidentally, that match took place in Chicago in the All-State Arena, or the Rose Maharaj was called at the time. Um, and, you know, I was kind of conflicted. I liked, I was starting to, I mean, I liked Austin as a bad guy. I really did. I, I mean, I've always been a big Steve Austin fan. His days of stunning Steve and stuff with the Hollywood blonde. And, and I, I always thought, like, younger, when I was younger, that, you know, Austin could be a big deal. Like, he's good enough. Like, he's believable enough. And then the Stone Cold character really, you know, cemented it in for me. And heading into that WrestleMania, he was doing such bad things. And, you know, I, I was kind of in a transition phase of, like, you know, really going with the old school and, like, I should be cheering for the good guy. Because I did like Brett, you know, but I was torn because I was starting to really admire what Austin and his character were bringing, um, you know, to the business and to this storyline with Brett itself. So, you know, on one hand, I was like, damn, like, you know, Brett's been shafted and jobbed out and, and, you know, screwed over so many times. Like, he deserves, you know, he needs to get, he needs to, he needs to, to get his win back. He needs to beat Austin, but at the same time, like, Austin was so red hot and on fire. It's like, how could you stop the momentum? And, and to me, like, the Austin 316 promo, that got him noticed in WWE, okay? That was the thing that got him noticed, in my opinion. But the match with him and Brett, with that image, like you said, that's in the highlight reel, that's in every WrestleMania highlight reel that WWE has ever produced. They show the, the, the moment where he does the push-up, they, you know, the, the blood trickling down right in between his two front teeth. That's the moment that made him a star. And Brett helped him get there, and Austin certainly had a lot to do with it, too. And I'd go on record as saying, you know, that may be one of your favorite matches. I'd go on record as saying that that was Brett's best WrestleMania match. I mean, it's in at number, was it number three, number four in that countdown, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, yeah, number, in at number four. Number four. Number four, okay, that was Brett's best WrestleMania match ever, ever, in my opinion. And I think that, that, that stuff and the good things he's done in the business, that's the stuff he should talk about. 
talk about the good things that the other guys have done in the business. Don't take an opportunity to trash somebody that, you know, just, just, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. I'm done talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, like, you know, we, we hit some things. Uh, but all in all, I think the WWE did a, a fine job with, with the list. Uh, you know, we'll see in a few years as, as history looks back on, on WrestleManias, like, if we're going to see other matches added to that list, some some matches may be taken off the list. Who knows? Um, we got a lot to get into tonight, uh, talking WrestleMania history, as well as we got to get to uh, some of the stuff uh, that's going on for this year's WrestleMania. So we got a lot to get to. Uh, we got a couple of you guys that are on hold. Be patient. We're going to get to you in just a moment. We just like hearing ourselves talk. That's the problem. But we got a lot to say tonight. So today, you know... At every point, you know, in the show, you know, it's usually we're doing a special two-hour tonight, so uh, it's at the halfway mark, uh, but it's always at this time uh, at 7 p.m. But, Dave, you know, in, in, in recognition and support of our special WrestleMania show, instead of just giving you a straightforward news broadcast, Dave is going to give you a special WrestleMania edition of the Day 5. So without further ado... Let's get to it. It is time for the Day 5 50-50 WrestleMania News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. You heard the man, a special WrestleMania edition just for you, our loyal listeners, because that's what we do. We're the best in pro wrestling talk. And this is the Day 5 50-50 Top 5 Celebrity Moment Countdown at WrestleMania. Number 5, Snooki. John Morrison and Trish Stratus versus Lake Cool and Dolph Ziggler from WrestleMania 27, Atlanta, Georgia, in the year 2011. At the height of popularity that the Jersey Shore television show brought to pop culture, WWE capitalized on it and set up a typical celebrity WrestleMania storyline to grab mainstream media's attention. And boy, did the media take notice. The build-up to the match was standard operating procedure in WWE. Heels taunt the babyface, celebrity steps in, disagreement ensues, bing, bang, boom, we're off to the races. Now, the real tr- intrigue in this match wasn't the fact that Trish Stratus, who arguably was one of the greatest divas of all time, was returning to the match, but it was that little meatball, Snooki, and how she would fare in a WWE ring. With a running time of just about three minutes, all eyes were on her. The ATL faithful were not receptive to the tan guidette, but after a few flips and a possible and a passable frog splash to secure the W, Atlanta warmed up to the Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore star once the final bell rang. That year's WrestleMania buy rate could be argued that the appearances of The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin were the reason behind it, but in my opinion, a large portion of the mainstream media tuned in to see Snooki sink or swim in WWE. Our fourth moment, Mike Tyson, the guest enforcer for the WWF championship match between the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, the champion, against the challenger Stone Cold Steve Austin. The setting, WrestleMania 14, Boston, Massachusetts. Hot off the heels of his ear-biting performance against Evander Holyfield in the summer of 1997, WWE was in the middle of a transition period. The Attitude Era was starting to resonate with hardcore wrestling fans. 
But in order to take the lead in the wrestling war against WCW, the WWE needed that extra knockout punch to gain mainstream media attention. Enter Iron Mike Tyson. At that time, he was boxing's biggest attraction to date, known for his exciting performances in and out of the ring. And WWE chairman Vincent Kennedy McMahon knew full well that Tyson's involvement at WrestleMania would grab the sports world by the throat. Tyson was in the middle of serving a suspension from boxing after biting the ear of Evander Holyfield, but that didn't stop Tyson from making the highlight reel in WWE for years to come. Tyson immediately bumped up against the biggest name WWE had to offer, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The confrontation hit the media like a wildfire. Every major news outlet replayed the shove scene around the world from that January evening in 1998 on Monday Night Raw. As time drew closer to WrestleMania 14, Tyson would align with Austin's WrestleMania 14 opponent, WWE champion, the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, and his Degeneration X cohort. The excitement for this match, as well as Tyson's involvement, helped send WWE in the Attitude Era into high gear. By the end of WrestleMania 14, the landscape in the WWE had changed. Austin was the champion, aligned with Tyson. The Heartbreak Kid would lead the WWE for over four years, and WWE television ratings soared past WCW's Nitro program to firmly take place as wrestling's number one promotion. If it hadn't been for the controversial Mike Tyson's involvement, maybe the WWE would have been in a much different place following WrestleMania 14. Number three. Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow, WrestleMania 11, April the 2nd, 1995, from my hometown of Hartford, Connecticut. Gridiron great Lawrence Taylor from the New York football Giants made a splash in the WWE in 1995, during a time when wrestling's popularity was at its lowest. Taylor's notoriety from his Hall of Fame career in the NFL helped attract more eyeballs to television sets for that year's WrestleMania. Taylor was one half of the main event against a seasoned veteran in Bam Bam Bigelow. The scene heading into that year's WrestleMania pitted Lawrence Taylor's all-pro team consisting of greats such as Steve McMichael, Carl Banks, and Ken Norton Jr., just to name a few, against the Million Dollar Team, led by Bigelow's manager Ted DiBiase and his Million Dollar Corporation. A much-needed added attraction to a match nobody thought could be WrestleMania-worthy. But the sports world stood in awe as Lawrence Taylor put on a hell of a performance, holding his own in his very first wrestling match and making it a believable match nonetheless. And you can't forget about Bigelow either. His talent is a testament to him and what he did to help Lawrence Taylor get over as well as help get the angle over. In a time where WCW was gaining momentum on the WWE, WWE in this match in particular showed that the fight was not over yet. And this match, in my opinion saved that year's Wrestlemania. Number two, Wrestlemania 28, Miami, Florida, the year is 2012, once in a lifetime. Now you may scratch your head saying, why is this match on the countdown? Well, as Wrestlemania 28 approached, former WWE legend The Rock was already a box office draw in Hollywood. This scenario was a win-win for everybody. Rock, the Hollywood world, WWE, John Cena, and the fans. 
The Rock, who made his name in WWE, transitioned to Hollywood and became one of the most recognizable stars in recent memory. By the time WrestleMania 28 rolled around, more people remembered The Rock for his movie roles than for his start in WWE, in my opinion, of course. You also got to take into account that the fan base in WWE in 2012 was much different than the fan base in WWE in 1999 when The Rock was at his zenith in popularity. Standing across the ring from The Rock on that night, John Cena, WWE's poster boy for the better part of a decade. The build-up to this clash was a year in the making. In fact, it was announced the night after WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta, Georgia, in the Phillips Arena. One year prior, I was there. The buzz was in the air. Hollywood and the wrestling world were anxious to see what The Rock could bring to WWE in a singles match on the grand stage of WrestleMania in Miami, Florida. The Rock's hometown, no less. With the main event announced a year in advance and the fact it was The Rock, arguably the biggest action star in Hollywood at the time, and the fact he was returning to his roots in professional wrestling, no wonder this WrestleMania broke records, making him the third highest grossing WrestleMania to date. The match itself was no technical masterpiece, but it lived up to the hype and made for a true WrestleMania moment. And our number one moment of celebrity moments at WrestleMania... WrestleMania 1, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Paul Orndorff, Madison Square Garden, 1985. The inaugural event that started it all, WrestleMania 1. In order for WWE to move from being a regional promotion to a global phenomenon, the element of WrestleMania 1 had to be put in place. That element, the celebrity factor. WrestleMania 1 was the coming out party for pro wrestling and sports entertainment, and there was no shortage of some of the most recognizable celebrities that the year 1985 had to offer. Liberace, Billy Martin, Cindy Lauper, Muhammad Ali, but one in particular was a cornerstone in pop culture. Television badass, Mr. T. T was dead center in the main event, tagging with wrestling's poster boy, WWE champion Hulk Hogan taking on the proverbial fire starter, Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. The world, sports, and mainstream media was eager to see WWE fall flat on its face and eager to see what the star of the 18 brought to the table, as was Piper, who publicly and behind the curtain hated Mr. T and everything he stood for. Their real-life tension translated to their interactions on screen, making the build-up to this match that much more exciting. Good overcame evil on that occasion. Mr. T brought just enough to make fans and critics believers because if he stayed in the ring any longer, either Piper would have killed him or T would have exposed his lack of skill. And WrestleMania 1 would have been a failure and we may not be having this conversation today. The success of WrestleMania 1 was not based on if fans wanted to see Hulk Hogan beat up Roddy Piper, but based on if TV bad boy Mr. T could hold his own in the world of professional wrestling. And there you have it, folks. Those were the top five celebrity moments, in my opinion, of course, of WrestleMania. This has been a special edition of the Day 5 50-50 countdown report, you should say. Ken, back to you. That's good stuff. An interesting list. You know, it's funny. that the two, of the thing, two of the things on the list struck me. You know, the first, you know, it was Snooki. And it, it was funny. I remember 
very vividly, like when I think of personal memories of booing, trying to boo her out of the building, as as well as like everyone else in my immediate vicinity were attempting to do. And um, when she pulled off the couple of flips at the end of the match, like every like I just remember all of us kind of standing up and kind of looking at each other and then nodding, like all right, that wasn't bad, that wasn't bad. And it's like reluctant applause where I was like, all right, well done, Snooky. You, you you did something athletic in there. You you, you kind of won us all over. And it was a it was a fun moment. Like you know, every so often you have those moments where like the the crowd is kind of in sync with each other, and we just all looked at each other and uh, agreed. And and the one that you know. Excellent points with WrestleMania 1. You know, it's funny again with Mr. T, who is, you know, not an, an all-time great actor. You know, he's not, uh, you know, necessarily a household name. The A-Team is not necessarily something that, that kids of today, you know, may know about. Um, but in WrestleMania 1, I mean, there's there's no doubt how important Mr. T was to WrestleMania 1, how huge uh, the A team was, and and that just you know, I mean, there's a real good possibility that like you said we're not whether the match itself or Mr. T's just not there, uh, that we're not talking about WrestleMania today if not for Mr. T really helping to put that on the map. And as we talk about you know 30 years later, and we talk about the history, we talk about moving forward into this year's WrestleMania. And you guys, you know, you want to talk. This year, you want to talk history, you want to talk a little bit both, give us a call, 347-838-9815. We're going to go out to the phones now. There's some people have been real patient with us, and I thank you. So we're going to start off. we got Anthony on the line. Anthony, how you doing? Good. How's it going, guys? We're doing all right. What do you got for us? Um, It was pretty interesting listening to you guys talk about the WrestleMania list. I actually didn't uh, see it myself. I'm uh, relatively busy lately, and... Uh, have been slacking on my network stuff. So. And it kind of plays into, uh, you know, you guys showed last week when uh, it kind of got taken over by uh, by Indie Talk. And, um, you know, we had to cut short, so I really couldn't get into my main point. Um, I'm just, you know, I know I'll get into it because it's WrestleMania. It's always the biggest show of the year. It's, you know, the biggest show in wrestling always. But there's just something, I, we're 13 days away, and I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just wondering if you guys are kind of feeling the same way. It, you know, and I'm glad you brought it up. You know what I found last week, and Dave, I want to get your take also. I, I honestly thought, I'm a little more excited. I thought they did a decent job on both Raw and SmackDown. However, the one thing that I got to say, I thought that last week's Raw could be the poster child for why three hours is a bad idea. I thought there was a lot of great stuff that came out of Raw last week to get you excited for WrestleMania. Um, You know, the Sting promo vignette was odd because not only was there an effect on his voice, but it didn't sound like it was Sting's voice with an effect. So that was odd. But it still, like, starts, you know, it's facilitating that storyline further. Um, The lightning may have been a bit hokey, but, you know, Bray's, Bray's promo was spot on. He, he got you excited about that match. Um, I got, you know, for one thing, take her, you know, get a wall safe or something because you got to keep your urn a, a little more guarded because it seems like people could just steal it on a whim. But I digress. Um, I don't know why it did a real great job uh, getting us set for that match. Um, 
I loved the end with Orton uh, and just an absolute beatdown. I think we got, you know, a lot of juice with, with Rusev and Cena going on. So, like, last week's Raw, I, I thought if it was a two-hour Raw and you got rid of, like, some of the filler stuff and some of the less important stuff, it would have been an unbelievable Raw that really would have gotten you pumped for WrestleMania. But for me, watching last week, I mean, there was a point where, and you know, we do it every week on the Facebook page. We have a Raw chat going. There was a point on the chat where I just said, I'm really bored. And I was. At one point, I was really bored with Raw. So, I mean, if you take all those things that worked last week and you condense them into, like, a two-hour Raw, I think Raw kicks ass last week. It's just, And then, you know, SmackDown facilitates and furthers the storyline from the IC title. So I, I, I think kind of like you had things working last week, um, but the filler kind of hurts Raw. So I agree with you. I think that the build was better last week, but it's still not at that fever pitch. Like you're saying, you're less than two weeks away, you kind of want to be, you know, at that real fever pitch. Like, you know, the people who are going, you got to be pumped. The people who aren't going, you want them to be sad they're not going. You know, you want to, like, get that visceral reaction out of fans, and I don't think they've gotten there yet. What did you think, Dave? I thought there was some good – there was definitely good storyline progression um, with, with just about every storyline. Um, I mean, I, I, I expected the Sting Triple H stuff to be what it was, very limited, um, you know, but enough for you to care that there's going to be a match going on. Now, Undertaker's Undertaker, and that stuff with Bray Wyatt, yeah, it may be hokey at times, but that's what you get with him. Um, the thing that resonated with me more than anything, and we'll discuss this further um, if, if, you, if you like, was the Paul Heyman promo. I mean, Paul Heyman acknowledged the big 500-pound elephant, elephant in the room and made a small reference in the fact that Lesnar could leave WWE and go to UFC. Um, and I don't think Paul Heyman did that as a shoot. I don't think it was done so that, you know, it could... I don't think it was done so that... All right, let me just put it to you this way. I think it, I think it was done with WWE's knowledge, and I think it was done because there's a chance that Lesnar and WWE have resolved their differences and either have already agreed to a new deal or a new deal has already been signed with Lesnar and WWE, and they're just keeping it hush. I don't think this storyline is going to, you know, the Heyman promo is going to lead to speculation in the storyline if Lesnar walked out with the title similar to the CM Punk walkout in 2011. I don't think it's going to be similar to, like, Montreal Screwjob style. I think that stuff was just done to spark the in the title match because, quite frankly, there really wasn't a lot of interest in the title match going into Monday's Raw, but now there's a little bit more interest because of what Heyman has to say. But I don't think the storyline going forward was centered around that promo either. It's funny you bring that up, too, because that actually was my favorite segment, too, with uh, Heyman. And and I am I am into the Bray Undertaker stuff. Uh, I, I won't, I'll be honest with you that. I'm into that. The IC stuff's been good, too. It's, I, you know what it is? It just for me, it just doesn't feel like, wow, you know, you know, normally you're at by this time you're chopping at the bit. Like, is it ever gonna get here? And right, I, I just don't have that feeling yet. Maybe, maybe that changes tonight. Maybe that changes next week. I don't know. Um, but uh, going back to the Heyman stuff with uh, Lesnar, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe that whole thing was a work with him and Vince Payton. Because, uh, you know, it got me fired up. I was just like, oh, here we go, Brock Lesnar again. But maybe, 
maybe it was their plan all along. Maybe instead of making you think that, hey, Lesnar's going to be here, we'll make you think, hey, Lesnar's going to go. And maybe that's, maybe that's where the shock value comes in where Lesnar does uh, retain, which um, I still I, I kind of think is going to happen. I really believe he's going to retain. I think it's the best thing for them to do right now. Um, and I guess the only way he does in this is this, excuse me, is if he's going to leave. But uh, Heyman's, Heyman's promo is actually the last two weeks have been great. And I kind of like the thing where, you know, his mic's cutting out a little bit and he's saying they're trying to censor him. So, uh, I mean, that's probably for me uh, a, a great build, build for that match too, which is one of the matches I'm looking forward to. Um, but I, I, I kind of thought about this too, and it's kind of getting into beyond WrestleMania. You know, I'm listening to Heyman. I obviously I love his promos, and I even posted on Facebook. You know, Heyman could sell WrestleMania by himself. You know, just for you know, I, I'm not feeling any build up at all. Paul Heyman grabs the mic, and I'm like, all right, you know, it's almost WrestleMania, and you know, again, I'm not totally there, but he he did help it. I'll say that. But uh, if if Lesnar was to leave us after WrestleMania, I think they have to do something to keep Heyman involved, whether it's announcing or, you know, actually starting a Heyman guy faction, which they attempted to do, but never really did. I mean, for for me, this guy's just, he's money. He's got to be around. Yeah, I mean, I do think what they've done with Lesnar and, and uh, you know, Heyman, what he's done. I mean, if Lesnar leaves after WrestleMania, it's it's not only going to be a huge late letdown, but it's going to be, it's going to leave a huge gap. And, uh, you know, Heyman's been absolute gold. Uh, there's no there's no question about that. He's an absolute gold. Uh, you know, trying to, to put over Reigns as well as putting over Brock. Um, the one thing that's been interesting, though, about Heyman, you know, he was great with Punk. Uh, he, he's been great with Brock. Um, but other guys have been, uh, you know, it's been a spotty run for him. So I do, you know whether it's Cesaro or, uh, and I'm not necessarily blaming him. It could be creative, but Cesaro, Ryback, uh, Curtis Axel, um, did not pay the dividends that you would hope, uh, putting them with Heyman would. So, um, if, if, if Lesnar leaves, uh, it does make you wonder where do you put Heyman and wherever they put him, does it work? Um, but you're right. I think he's done, uh, he's done his job. Let's put it this way. Heyman has done his job as far as uh, doing everything he possibly can do to get you excited for uh, WrestleMania and the main event. He is done. And, you know, hopefully we'll see more. But I I totally get what you're saying. Like, right now, we're actually, rather than being at a fever pitch, we're we're looking at what do the next four shows give us? You know, what do the next two Raws and two SmackDowns give us? Um, to, to build this further. Again, I thought last week was a solid week, but um, is it going to wind up being uh, too little too late, or uh, do we get uh, a very good Raw tonight? Remains to be seen. Anthony, thank you so much for the phone call. Good stuff as always. Again, we'll be uh, you know on break for a little bit, but uh, check out uh, Squirrel and Two Nuts and, and King Firehawk, and uh, we'll talk to you when we get back. All right, guys. Take care. I'll talk to you soon, and uh, you know, Ken, if I don't talk to you before then, enjoy the trip out there. Hope it's a good time. I know you're looking forward to seeing that stadium, so hopefully have a good time out there. All right, Thanks, guys. bro. Take it easy. 
You know, and it's interesting, Dave, because like when we talk about, you know, we talked a little bit about history and a little bit about, uh, you know, great matches and whatever. And it's interesting because when you go back in history, there have been, you know, there have been great builds. There have been mediocre builds for WrestleManias. Um, you know, and then there have been, like, great builds that don't deliver. Then there are the times where, like, the build and uh, the match deliver. You know, I think, you know, last year was one of those moments when you went from SummerSlam to, to Daniel Bryan uh, being screwed at SummerSlam and that whole run to WrestleMania 30. I mean, that's, you know, really, like, months of build that definitely delivered at WrestleMania 30. Um, you have that. I always, you know, people... You know, look at Andre and Hogan. The build for that, the whole, you know, Andre's turn, the contract signing, the ripping of the shirt on Piper's pit, you know, all that stuff. A tremendous build, um, you know, that the match delivered on. An iconic matchup between Hogan and Andre. But then sometimes you have those, those WrestleManias. You know, one of my all-time favorite builds was between Triple H and Randy Orton uh, going into WrestleMania 25. Some of the best heel work. Uh, in recent memory by Randy Orton, um, you know, great build, was very excited. And, and you know, unfortunately that match, that, that match had to follow Taker versus uh, HBK, the first one at WrestleMania 25. Um, but the, the build and, and those two guys, both talented guys, uh, should have been able to deliver handcuffed with a stipulation. And so you had a great build where the match didn't deliver. So, you know, when you look at that, I mean, you, you want to build, you want to get excited uh, for WrestleMania, but, you know, this could be a moment where the build is lackluster, but the matches kick ass, and WrestleMania is great, and there's a lot of potential with the matches. So, it, to get totally caught up in the build, um, you don't want to go too far at, at just kiboshing how good WrestleMania is based on the build, but it's been a mixed bag over the course of history of WrestleMania. Yeah, that's a perfect example. I mean, Triple H and Randy Orton was built up, you know, like these two were going to tear each other apart. Like, they they couldn't wait to get their hands on each other. I mean, going from, like, Orton attacking members of the McMahon family to, you know, giving an, a DDT to Stephanie McMahon while Triple H is handcuffed to the rope and then kissing an unconscious Stephanie McMahon. I mean, that was, like, old school, like, I, I mean, like territory kind of heat that Orton was that, that Orton was putting out there. I mean, the way it was written and the way it, w- it was performed, it was like something that you would see like in the territory days, like like days of like World Class Championship Wrestling or like Memphis and like USWA, that kind of stuff. I mean, and then you know Triple H coming to his home and attacking them and throwing them through the window into his front yard. I mean, like there was so you. Going into WrestleMania with the kind of buildup that they had for that match, you were expecting the two of them to beat the shit out of each other. And then at the last minute, they decide, well, we're going to put a stipulation where if the champion gets disqualified, he's going to lose his title, which then handcuffs the performance. Now you're forcing them to have a regular straight-up one-on-one wrestling match. Where's the psychology in that? I mean, we're, you know, for, for five or six weeks, these guys were going at, going to great lengths of trying to kill each other, okay? Trying to kill each other. And then you expect these two to have a straight-up, fair, one-on-one, clean wrestling match in the main event of the biggest show of the year? I mean, I just didn't understand that. I didn't get it. They had the unenviable task of having to follow Michael Staker, one, 
I mean, the crowd was drained, buddy. Granted, that year's WrestleMania, Cena, Edge, and Big Show went on after Taker's and My- Taker and Michaels, and they put on an entertaining triple threat match considering they had to follow Taker and Michaels. But then Hunter and Orton, by the time it got to that match, that crowd was dead. I mean, you were there. You know, you, you could probably tell better than I can. You know, but when I watched it at home, I was like, there was like no sound. You know, I was really looking forward to that match. For whatever reason, it just... It just didn't live up to it, and I was really. It's the only only crowd, whether it be a wrestling event or a sporting event or anything, where like literally, the entire arena was emotionally exhausted, and it was they really had difficulty getting up for the rest of the card. And a hundred percent right, you know, uh, I thought the triple threat match with Cena, Big Show, and Edge, it was a decent match, uh, and there were times where like. You know, the crowd kind of got up, and when Cena lifted them both, like there was, you know, a a pop, albeit somewhat smaller, uh, but it wasn't like due to lack of effort and performance. It was just we we were all collectively just exhausted. I mean, Taker and Michaels just just took us through the ringer as far as emotions uh, for that night. But Which is why, though, like, you know, on your fault creative or Triple H or whoever made the decision – with a great build like that, and maybe you can't duplicate the match, at the quality of match, but if it was a no-DQ match and these two guys tore each other up, maybe you could have gotten a little bit of that crowd back. Oh, you could have. I mean, you definitely could have. But uh, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people, too, here's, here's something that you know I, I thought about for a while. I think a lot of people, too, expected Orton to win that match. I think because of the, the way that they were pushing him and the way that they were portraying his character and how he was, he was getting one over on Triple H every second of, of, of every time that they were in the same room together, in the same arena together, I should say, a lot of people were expecting Orton to come out the victor. Some people even predicted that the McMahon family was going to somehow screw Triple H and it would have been a plan all along for the McMahons to be in the corner of, of Randy Orton and take the title from their son-in-law, Triple H, you know? And I think that's what kind of, that's that's another thing too that kind of sucked the air out of the building too was that Triple H won, and in some cases, in in some ways with the, the the psychology of the build, I guess you had to say that Triple H had to win because Orton did all that stuff to him and his family, and if he were to come up short, it would be disappointing. But at the same time, like I said, the way that they had built Orton up in going into that match, like he was an unstoppable asshole going into that match, and a lot of people expected him to win. And I think that was another reason why it was so disappointing. And then he wins in a he wins the title in a, uh, in a six-man tag the following month, like, you know, it, like, with like four or five of the guys involved in the match. Like, I, I just did not understand the psychology surrounding it. Like, just some, like, that stipulation did not, to me, was didn't equal what the buildup was bringing to it. You know what I mean? Like, the, the buildup towards it, and then, boom, like, this pops out. It just didn't make sense. It, they did not go together. Just that, That's just my opinion. So it's, it's weird this year, because I think that, like, you can go, you know, look at this year and say that the build is kind of lackluster. But at the same time, I think the, the matches all have a lot of potential. And, and Heyman did a masterful job last week. You know, there's a lot of heat between Rusev and Cena. Um, I mean, when's the last time anyone was pumped for uh, the IC title? 
I love the fact that, that you know, I'm not saying that, that Daniel Bryan's going to turn heel, but on SmackDown, I, I kind of like the fact that Ambrose uh, called DB a, a turd, and, um, you know, Ziggler kind of uh, agreed with him. Um, and it was almost kind of like a, I don't know, the way I took it creatively, interpreted it, almost like, uh, look at Daniel Bryan, always gets what he wants. And, uh, you know, last year he got his title match, and he got his, his WrestleMania moment. And this year, ooh, Daniel Bryan never won the IC title. So now guess what Daniel Bryan gets? So, um, you know, I don't know if, if, if those guys are going to go heel, if one of them is going to go heel, if nobody's going to go heel. But, um I, I kind of like that exchange at, at the end. I mean, it could be hinting at someone turning heel. It could just be to facilitate um, the fact that it's every man for themselves in, in a ladder match. But, like I said, I'm excited about the IC title match. And, and I'm okay with, you know, the IC title match stealing the show. If that's, if that's what happens, then so be it. Um, so I think it got a solid card. The, the problem is, like, maybe it's not living up to a, quote, WrestleMania card or the WrestleMania hype, so to speak. Um, but I do think there's a lot of potential on, on this card. 347 that is the number to call. Let's go back out to the phones. So we got Mike on the line. Mike, what's up? What's going on? We're talking WrestleMania. I love it. I love it. Dave, I, I see Dave's point, but I can tell you where the psychology is in that whole thing. The psychology is definitely in um, Linda McMahon going to get ready to run for Congress. Okay. I, I, elaborate, if you will. I, I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from. Elaborate, if you will. Okay, well, well, let's think about it. You know, they could have had a street fight. They should have had a street fight. Definitely, the way you were saying it. But, you know... WWE kind of went PG around that time, and Linda McMahon was running for Congress. Um, she started running for Congress which in your home state, uh, in Connecticut, which would be my home state as well. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, so that's that's what I was getting at with that. You know, once Linda well, McMahon uh, went... Go ahead. All right, but on that very same show, there was a ladder match, which isn't exactly... You know, a non-violent match. There were about there was the Money in the Bank ladder match, and then there was a Extreme Rules match between both the Hardy Boys. So if you if you're trying if if you're attributing that decision creatively due to the PG, you know at the time they were they were in the early stages of the PG era of WWE. I mean, you can go back to a few weeks before that WrestleMania when I just made mention of it earlier. Randy Orton giving a DDT to Stephanie McMahon, a woman, a male-on-woman violence on a PG-rated show. Oh, no, you're right. And also don't forget, too, he hurt Mr. McMahon. He took him out, too. You're forgetting that. Well, yeah, but that but so yeah, so no, let me ask you a question now. So go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, well, what I'm saying is if you're, if you're trying to attribute Linda McMahon's Congress run and the PG content as a reason why creatively they decided to make the Triple H-Randy Orton match at that year's WrestleMania a straight-up one-on-one wrestling match. And what was the point of all that build-up and all that violence leading up to that match? 
That's that's listen. That's what that's what I'm thinking. Um, and also, you mentioned all those other things. Listen, every one of those guys, those that match that you were talking about, they're not related to uh, to McMahon. So, you know, Triple H is and uh, but that's what I'm thinking. I mean, that's what I heard too. I also heard that from somebody too. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's yeah, what yeah, I heard, I and you know, okay. that's what I'm saying. But um, no, I I I mean. You know, when they did the whole PG era, everybody was like, "Why they do that?" And then they were talking, and then they were talking about the whole thing about you know Congress and all that other stuff and no blood and and I think that's a bunch of garbage. I mean, listen, Linda McMahon tried it, she lost. PG era should be over. There should be, you know, I mean, you know, there should be stuff like that. I mean, you know, you're right. I mean. You know they they make they make all these things up. They say, well, you know, it's because we took the blood out because of the children, and we took this out. Just like in 2000, was it 2012? There was blood with John Cena, wasn't there? Blood with John Cena and Brock Lesnar. Yes, there was. At the, right, there was. So, I, I I'm just that was my point, Dave. It wasn't you know that's what I was thinking. I mean, the interesting thing about the blood thing, and, and recently I was listening to uh, Jr.'s podcast. And he brought yeah. up a really intriguing point with when it comes to blood and wrestling. And, uh, you know, he said that, you know, as far as, again, storytelling and, and in-ring drama and everything, you know, a, a little cut. Look, we don't need buckets. You know, we don't need buckets of blood. Maybe we don't need to go back to Abdullah the Butcher, um, you know, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Judgment Day, um, 04. Um, we don't need that. Um, but, you know, what his point was, you know, a little cut and a little blood would go such a long way to tell a story, to facilitate a story, that now, since you've taken the blood out, to really get the, the drama, you have to have uh, riskier spots. And he said, the interesting thing is, as much as you think that you're taking uh, the quote-unquote violence out of wrestling and making it more family-friendly, in actuality, you're making it more dangerous uh, for the competitors, that rather than ha- going into the match and telling a story and, and just having to take a razor blade and make a small cut in your forehead, yeah. you have to figure out a way to, to jump off the top rope and go through the announce table and then do a couple flips and, and do this, that it's become a much more dangerous industry. Um, and, and, you know, with the WWE, like where, where they go, everyone else follows. So a lot on the indie scene, it's the same way. You know, they, they don't have blood in a lot of indie promotions as well. And it, it makes for a more dangerous uh, product, I guess, for the competitors. So it's a, it's interesting, and I agree with you. You know, I, I, I think there's a happy medium somewhere. Growing up in the '80s, I think that, that the WWE was pretty oh, much PG, and and you, th- th- there was a little bit of blood in, in the '80s. You know, it yeah. doesn't need to be a blood bath, but uh, <laughs> a couple cuts here and there uh, to, to help uh, add some drama. I, I think would go a long way. A little blood, man. I remember seeing Ric Flair hit face with a crimson mask. My God, of blood. It was, cra- it was crazy. But you guys are talking about WrestleMania, and Dave, I caught your history. And, you know, I'm a history guy myself, and I loved every, I, I loved the history. And, you know, it's, it's automatic. Every year I give the same answer. This year I'm not giving the, the, the same answer about, I'm going to go with different WrestleMania. Uh, and, it, and this is my memory as well as your memory. Um... <laughs> We're gonna. I want to talk about WrestleMania Seven. The build for WrestleMania Seven, I thought, was one of the best um, builds. And also, it was the time. The times they were change. They were definitely changing, 
and we had Sergeant Slaughter, who was a sympathizer now for the Iranians and the whole Iraq thing, and he was getting, you know, death threats and stuff, and they even had to move the arena, the venue, and, you know, you look at the card, there was like 15, 15 um, matches on that card, and they were all so unique. I mean, you had, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts. He got, bl- you know, he got blinded. Everybody remembers that with Rick DeMarmont's house. So they put him in a blindfold match. The Undertaker, Bim- Jimmy Snooker. The Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage. You know, so every match was like such a great match. And that was the last appearance of Andre the Giant. And then, and then all of a sudden you have, you know, the Legion of Doom beating Power and Glory in like 59 seconds. Virgil you know, trying to get his revenge on Ted DiBiase, you know, and then, then the whole thing with Roddy Roddy Piper getting involved. You, you just, you know what I'm saying? You just had so much, so much. And then finally, was Hogan going to beat Sergeant Florida? That was the question. And it was, it was, it was, it was the best. It was good stuff, man. And it's funny because, you know, again, you go back and forth. I mean, you need a, you need the build. Uh, sometimes you've had great WrestleManias with lackluster builds. Sometimes, you know, the, the best WrestleManias, though, are the ones where the the event itself matches the build. You get a kick-ass build and a kick-ass uh, event, and that's really what what you're hoping for. And hopefully tonight, you know, in the next few shows that WWE has, you know, again, I thought they did an effective job last week. Hopefully we get a right. little bit more and really get to a point where we're just jonesing for WrestleMania. Well, that's it, and that's where we want to go. And I also like the fact that they're doing uh, a lot of this stuff with the Intercontinental Champion on house shows. They're doing this stuff on house shows. Uh, R-Truth is uh, stealing the belt, and then uh, then Wade Barrett gets it back, and then at the end of it, somehow Barrett gets it back again, and then R-Truth sneaks out and steals it again. So I love the fact that they're doing that. It was like when I used to go to the house shows and see the hardcore title change hands about, you know, ten times, and then all of a sudden the rightful owner to that belt would take it back. So I like how they're doing it. I do like the build for WrestleMania. I'm excited for WrestleMania. Um, You guys are talking about the shows for WrestleMania. You guys have a show. King Firehawk has a show. The Top Rope has a show, and I'm going to be, um, I'm, I'm on there, I'm going to be giving my take as always, I'm going to be their analyst, and I also did their house show work, I did a great, I, I thought we did a good show yesterday, um, so, you know, we're doing the shows, you guys are doing the shows, so I think everybody in the in the, in the world of uh, wrestling better listen, because you guys are good, everybody, we're working together, we're like, a, you know, we're, we're a family. We are. Thanks a lot for the call, Mike. Good luck with your show. And, yeah, we'll be covering WrestleMania weekend from top to bottom. Uh, also, take your... notice today I'm trying to get you guys more listeners. I'm trying to get you guys more likes, man. We appreciate that. Thank you, Mike. And, I, you, and Mike. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you guys. And I'll be talking to you. Ken, have a great trip in San Francisco. Just don't leave your heart there, Ken. Bring your heart back. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate you it. Got it you soon, brother. You Thank got you. it. Thanks. Bye-bye. The wonderful world of Mr. Mike Ferrara. And we're going to go back out to the phones because the one and only, uh, you know, a partnering up, it's all about, the, you know, a cooperative, getting, uh, you know, a, a little cross-pollination out there. The one and only King Firehawk is on the line. Firehawk, how you doing this evening? What's up, guys? The pleasure is all mine. How you doing, Dave? How you doing, Ken? Doing great. Happy, man. 
I'm just pumped to be out here. I love, uh, I was on hold listening to the car before me just talk about WrestleMania matches. And it's cool because it's just like, just hearing people's passion. You just get all pumped up again for this time of year. So I love it. I love it, man. Do you have a favorite? Like, you know, when you look back on, on WrestleMania, I mean, we, you know, we said that on the list, you know, Taker, uh, Michaels from uh, 25 was the top WrestleMania match according to the WWE. Uh, do you have a favorite or, or what do you think the top match would be? You know, like, um, it's like there's always the standards, like from an excited level and from storyline from start to finish. To me, nothing beats Hogan Andre. It's just a completion. As, uh, you know, HBK, Shawn Michaels, that was great. You know, something that never gets mentioned <clears throat> but just purely as an excitement level. At WrestleMania 2, I loved the Dream Team versus the Bulldogs because I just had like seven months invested in the Bulldogs chasing after the Dream Team and constantly getting screwed. So it's like a personal favorite of mine. And uh, I'm also a big fan of that Brock Lesnar and uh, and uh, Kurt Angle match that they had when Lesnar almost killed himself. I thought that was fantastic too. So, you know, Savage and Steamboat, so much good stuff. Yeah, it is. You know, and again, it's it's all like tied to everyone has great memories of WrestleMania, and uh, it's exciting this year because as much as um, you know, again, there's a lot of talk that the build, uh, you know, might not be great this year. I think there's a lot of potential. Um, you know, that the Hall of Fame class is, uh, you know, not stacked, but you got Macho Man and uh, you know, just adding Zabisco to the class, so it's it's uh, the class is a little beefier. Um, you know, but. What's great is what the, the best part of WrestleMania weekend is uh, covering it from top to bottom. And uh, why don't you just let us know, like, you know, your plans and uh, what we're looking at for WrestleMania weekend is uh, at a King Firehawk. Well, you know, man, <clears throat> I'm just pumped because uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And for those of us who can't go, what I'm hoping is me and your, and your main man, Dave, there, we're going to try and make you feel like you're there. You know what I mean? And uh, for those of you listening, you know, the three of us have a little staff meeting this week. I have some good ideas. But basically what I'm hoping to do is do a lot of um, mini shows that are sort of live to tape so we can throw some audio and things in there with Dave and I, get a couple guests on, your updates from uh, what you're going to be attending, and then, you know, throw those up there and then maybe do a couple live spots at the same time. Um Something I'm kind of working on, and uh, we'll, I'll have all the information for you guys later in the week, and you can give it out next week, and we'll put it on your website and all that. But anyone listening, go uh, sign up for free on TalkShoe.com, because that's where, um, when Dave and I are live for a couple moments here and there, uh, you'll be able to hear it live. If not, um, so many ways to hear the show, and we'll put it all on your site, Ken, but I'll give all that out this week. iTunes, you should download Spreaker.com, the Spreaker app. And, uh, you know, without, without sitting down and really doing the outline, I'm kind of hoping, um, you know, Dave and uh, you and I will talk this out. Definitely get a live update for you before you go into the Hall of Fame and uh, maybe after. I have to set my alarm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's during the day in California, so it'll be all right here. Um, maybe get your, you know, do a WrestleMania preview, maybe – either that the day before on a Thursday or do it Friday, the Hall of Fame Saturday. Definitely we're going to do the WrestleMania uh, after the post-show. 
uh, you know, do that, try and do that live. I think there's a way to do it. Maybe have you call in, Ken, from right when it's over. So a lot of things we're going to, we're going to have some fun. And all of you out there, uh, we'll have lots of guests on, a couple of, you know, friends of our, both of our shows popping in and out. So I just figure like basically, you know, that weekend we'll be dropping a lot of shows for you guys and coming a lot of stuff. So, Mike, when are you heading out there, Ken? Are you going out for a whole week? Are you how you uh, when are you leaving for a restaurant? I'm actually we're leaving Saturday. Oh, so okay, all right. Yeah, so we're we're going out there. We're taking in uh, you know some San Francisco touristy things. I've never been to San Francisco, so uh, I, I definitely want to check out Alcatraz. Um, oh, awesome! And all that I want to get from you from your updates, man, because I'm into all that stuff. So, you know. I figure, you know, we when we do some call-in spots, we can just update what's it like to be out there, the atmosphere, things you took in, the food, the hills, all that kind of cool stuff. Gate Ashbury, if that's still there, all that type of thing. That's cool, man. So, yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to it. And I think we'll have it, you know, all figured out. But anyone listening, uh, it's going to be some good stuff, I think. I'm pretty pumped. I can tell if we're talking to Dave and we're texting back and forth. I think you're pretty excited, Dave. Oh, I, I definitely am. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I love doing the show. I love talking about it. And, uh, you know, when I see your stuff on social media and your posts about wrestling and, you know, and, and even, you know, being around you at the at the, the famous, uh, you know, King Firehawk Ken Reedy show Tailgate in East Rutherford, New yeah. Jersey a couple of years ago. Um, that was my know, favorite wrestling way, fan ever, just because of that. The, the Tailgate was awesome. And, I, and, and kudos to your wife for having the ability to, to bring back that, Thank yes. Thank God bless Target. <laughs> but yeah, they'll take really anything good. back, and I mean anything, man. And I and we're it sucks because SummerSlam's going to be in Brooklyn, and there's no nowhere to do that. But maybe there'll be some shows around it. But it's uh, I think the longer we have to wait for the second tailgate, the much more uh, enjoyable it'll be. You know what I mean? It seems like it keeps eluding us, oh, yeah. but yeah, we uh, yeah, definitely get that in. But I, I'm pumped, and you know, um, you know, I agree. The Hall of Fame, from what you said, Ken, is eh, it's it's not like um, with Savage obviously not being able to be there. You know, it's um, it's it's bittersweet, I think. But I am into wrestling. I'm in, I've been toting the line for Roman Reigns this whole way. I'm looking a lot, very much forward, and we'll cover all this on our shows. I'm 100% pro. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, so I'm really excited by that. I like Randy Orton and Seth Rollins. I'm pumped for Bray Wyatt and Undertaker a little bit. So you're going to get a lot of positivity out of me for this WrestleMania because it's got a lot that I like. So, uh, And we'll do all that on the shows. As I know there's a lot of people just late to the party or taking a little, you know, little crap on it or not happy with the way things are. But I'm enjoying it, man. I actually am a fan of the way it's coming together. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I kind of, you know, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think it's been kind of late in coming, but I thought last week was was a good step forward for the build to WrestleMania. I think you have, you know, legit storylines, uh, you know, in each matchup, um, you know, even within uh, the Battle Royal. So I think you have a, a lot of intriguing things going on, uh, you know, top to bottom in the card. And I'm just hoping the next few shows, like, really – you know, slam dunk and give us, you know, get us really pumped up. But I do think, you know, it's one of those weird things that, you know, 
you can criticize maybe the build, but I think the card has got a lot of potential to give you some special moments. Um, you know, it remains to be seen uh, whether they deliver. Outside of the title match, what match are you most looking forward to in WrestleMania? You know, I, I, it was Triple H and Sting for a while. I'm really interested in that. But I got to tell you, with smoke and mirrors, because I'm a firm believer the Undertaker's done, but pulling some smoke and mirrors to see Wyatt and Undertaker, I, I really bought in. I just, I'm loving the way Bray Wyatt is coming off, you know, sinister and sick. I really like that, so I'm interested in that. So uh, I think right now that, that's got me the most interested at the moment, but... I kind of sway back and forth because uh, I love Brock Lesnar. I want him to beat Roman Reigns, but I like Roman Reigns in there. I'm up for monster versus monster. I think people's problems are they don't want to look at this for one night. They're worried, you know, Roman Reigns wins. They're worried for five or six years down the line. And I, I don't think you can look at wrestling like that. Just enjoy it for what it is. And if you do, I think this is pretty cool. So, you know, right now Wyatt and Undertaker has really got me – you know, jazzed up, but uh, I the others are very close behind. So, for once in a long time, lots of things I like. Very good, Pat. Thanks a lot. Again, remember, stay on point. Look at the Facebook, the websites, King Firehawk. Check everything out. Lots of information is going to be coming out this week as far as uh, yeah. I would say every- Friday. We're, 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 so the fans know we're going to have our conversation Thursday. Friday, we will have a whole um, outline of everything. We'll have a phone number that's going to be running. We'll have the spots for what will be live, have the information for what we just recorded to drop. You know, so in some aspects, you might be able to hear the first hour of something Dave and I do that's pre-recorded, and we go right into live so people can hear something, hear it right away. and come. We're going to do a lot of interesting things, and uh, after we talk, We'll put the information all over all your stuff, all over my stuff. But those listening today, you will need to go for free, for free, I say, to TalkShoe.com. Just register. The King Firehawk Show is on there. And uh, that's going to be a big part if you want to listen live to anything that we do. It's kind of like the live feed from what we'll be taping with all that. And uh, iTunes, you know, I get your show off there when I can't listen live. And... Our Facebook pages, of course, King Firehawk Show on Facebook, you know, like that, and uh, Ken Reedy's Facebook Facebook page, and we'll have it all, man. Like, I'm looking forward to Thursday. I have some good stuff, but, you know, I've got the, uh, the booking pan out, so to say, for all the stuff to do, and I think those listening are going to have fun, because we're, I know we are, and I'm looking forward to Ken's report, so all you're going to get experience as if you were there with Ken, I think. Sounds good. All sounds great. Looking forward to being a part of this. It's going to be a happening. It's going to be a big happening uh, for us as well as just the big happening at WrestleMania. Thanks for giving us a call, Firehawk. And, uh, no problem, guys. Be good. And get information you soon, guys. Take it All easy, brother. Guys, talk to you soon. Be good. Thanks, brother. And, and Pat put up a couple of good points. And, and you know, two things I want to hit, um, you know, and I want your take on these, Dave. And, and it's interesting because, number one, the title match. And I think we've gotten way too caught up with, you know, the face of the company. And I've said this before, but it's just be just if Roman Reigns wins the title at WrestleMania does not necessarily mean he is the face of the company for the next next decade. He he might not even be the face of the company that day. It's 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 WrestleMania thirty one. 
Um, I think we've gotten way too caught up with that idea that, you know, just because you won that belt means, well, you're catapulted now that the WWE is on your shoulders. Um, That's not really the case. Um, It's a match at WrestleMania, um, granted, um, and they're looking to to build a star in in Roman Reigns. Um, I think it's going to be a hard-hitting, bruising matchup, uh, which, which could be fun. But, you know... A lot of the points that Pat was making, you know, it's like when you go through and, and, you know, we do the show and wrestling is not meant to take a daily pulse. But when you do the show, you take a daily pulse. And it's just one of those things that's contradictory. And everyone who crapped on Daniel Bryan getting screwed at SummerSlam, well, it worked out for the best because that was the, the, the starting point for his run to his WrestleMania moment at WrestleMania 30. So it's very difficult when you when you want to like at one point say, "Oh, this sucks, this sucks," but you don't know if what's happening today is is leading to a payoff six months down the road. And, and at times you just really got to be patient uh, when it comes to pro wrestling and how the storyline develops. The other thing I'm, I'm curious about is the Undertaker. It, you know, could it be that the Undertaker's done, as as Firehawk said, or remember he suffered a concussion during last year's match? Uh, could that have been the prevailing influence for that being a subpar match for Taker? And, and maybe he's got a little bit more left in the tank than we might be thinking, Dave. Well, to, all right, first off, your, your, your point about the title match. Um, I do agree with you in the sense that I don't think Reigns is going to be labeled as the guy after it's all said and done if in the event that he walks out of WrestleMania as a champion. I truly believe and I've been saying this for a while, but I truly believe this era, this crop of talent that's in WWE, that there is not one particular person out of this group that is head and shoulders above the rest, the face of WWE. I think there's a handful of guys that are leading this charge. I think your Reigns is one of them. I think Daniel Bryan is another name. I think a guy like Dean Ambrose. I think Seth Rollins. I think Bray Wyatt. I think the Usos. Okay, I, I I'll, I'll let me retract that. The Usos, they're a tag team, but you're look those core group of guys right there. Those five guys, I think, are the five guys that are going to lead WWE into the future. And I don't think one necessarily is going to be head and shoulders above the rest, the face of the company. You also still got to look at it. John Cena is still the man right now. Okay, John Cena, you know, he may not be in the title picture. He may even be in mid-card status, if you will. But when people think of WWE, they associate it still with John Cena, and they associate it still with a guy like Randy Orton, too. Randy Orton may not have been as big of a name as John Cena, but he's still a pretty big name, okay? So you can't count those two individuals out just yet. Your second point, Undertaker, okay? You, You make a good point. He was concussed. It was just a concussion. It looked bad, okay? Maybe he does still have a little bit left in him, okay? We don't know that, all right? We truly don't know. But I don't think himself as a performer and the WWE as a company would allow him to go out there once a year on a stage like WrestleMania and put out a subpar performance, okay? He's doing this for one reason. One, because he's got a passion for it and he's loyal. And two, I think he wants to make Bray Wyatt into a big star because we're nearing the days of Undertaker being done. I truly believe that next year in Dallas, that's it. It's done. 
him and Sting, the, the, the a retirement match for the both of them, they both go out, they both go into the Hall of Fame that year, and they both wrestle their final match against each other at WrestleMania. I think that's it. I truly believe that. And I think they have so much invested in Wyatt, and they, they, they feel that he's a big part of their future that they had to put Undertaker with him because Undertaker could help get him over and if he more over than he is now and make him into a megastar by just being associated with him, not even losing to Wyatt, but just being associated with him in this storyline. So um, I think Undertaker's in good enough shape where him and Wyatt are going to have a, a, a decent match, a good match. Hell, they could even surprise us to have the best match of the night. But I truly believe in my heart of hearts that you know Undertaker is a performer and WWE as a company would not let him go out there at WrestleMania and put on a subpar piss-poor performance. Remains to be seen. Let's see what happens. I mean, I think we're looking at a WrestleMania this year with, uh, I think we kind of hit it as a, as a tremendous upside. Uh, we hope we get further uh, promotion and excitement coming out of the next few shows. Thank you guys for your call. Thank calls. Uh, King Firehawk, thanks for giving us a call. Dave, we're going to miss you this year, uh, but you're going to be holding it down. <laughs> down here so uh we'll be calling in check the facebook and the website enjoy wrestlemania enjoy raw everybody for dave i'm ken good night everybody hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.